welcome and uh, welcome everyone to Science Society, but of course a special welcome to you, Andrea. And let me start with a little bit of an overview um, uh, introduction about you so the audience gets to know you a little bit and then and then we'll usually Victoria ask a couple of interview questions before we go into your research your really interesting research if that's okay with you sure sure thank you, thank you. perfect um, yeah so um, professor Andrea um, Alou um, I hope I'm saying the the pronunciation right um, yes. is, yeah, is best known for um, discoveries in invisibility cloaking, so making objects transparent to incoming microwave signals. He, um, he made the first freestanding three-dimensional invisibility cloak, which is so cool. <laughs> and he also developed the first non-reciprocal acoustic circulator or one-way sound device and um, uh, Professor Alu's discoveries in metamaterials and plasmonics have brought implications for a range of sectors including defense, communication, medical imaging, acoustics, mechanics and robotics. He um, joined the CUNY and the Advanced Science Research Center from the University of Texas at Austin um, where he was a Temple Foundation Endowed Professor and the Cochrane School of Engineering. And um, he, he is a recipient of the Ellen T. Waterman Award from the National Science Foundation, which is one of the top prizes for scientists and engineers in the US. And he has been nominated various times um, uh, and named as finalist for the Blavatnik National Awards for Young Scientists. Uh, the world's largest unrestricted prize is for early career scientists. And I he actually won oh, it last yeah. year. Oh, you won it. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I, didn't. I guess the, the bio oh, is, wow. is old. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. And um, yeah, he. Um, holds more than a dozen of patents and patent applications and has co-authored more than 500 um, highly cited uh, contribution to the scientific literature. Um, so he, yeah, it's such an honor having you here uh, for many, many reasons and for taking the time to come here on such short notice. We really appreciate it. Thank you. I'm handing no, over. No, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for your interest. Thanks for inviting yeah, me. And, and Victoria, yeah. thank you. All right, thank you. Um, forgive me, uh, Dr. Alu, Andrea, I have to repeat what Katarina just said. It is such an honor to have you here and fascinating to hear of your accomplishments and all of your work. And I have to say, whenever the question goes around, um, if, if you could have a superpower, what would it be? Then mine is always that I wish for the superpower of invisibility. It's so <laughs> fascinating. <laughs> so, right on. Um, my question is, I'm curious if you can tell us about where your passion came from. Maybe you can recall some time in your youth where that initial spark for your connection to science developed. Yeah, no, I was always very curious about uh, how things works, uh, uh, things work, and how uh, fascinated by light actually and um, uh, waves in general, radio waves, uh, how very different phenomena to the eyes of a high schooler are uh, uh, like light and radio waves, but they are governed by the same uh, laws, the same uh, physical laws. So uh, I was uh, interested since. Uh, High school basically in these topics and they studied electromagnetics i uh, mostly studied theory in italy and then uh, when i moved here i um, started the, the professor job in uh, in austin as a theorist and then moved into experiments and now we do actually mostly experiments in the in, in the lab we have several labs it's a 
really great opportunity here at New York at, at CUNY with the Dream Lab to explore wave physics, uh, kind of curiosity driven basically, trying to see what are the boundaries, how much we can push materials to manipulate uh, sound, light, and uh, radio waves. Thank you. And can you tell us maybe some of the events that led up to the work that you're going to share with us tonight? Maybe some of the more, um, uh, what is the word I'm thinking of? Um, not motivating, but things that, that propelled what you're going to share that, that got you here tonight? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think we wanted to talk about the latest paper we, we published that is uh, about the phenomenon of time reflections, uh, time reversal of el electromagnetic waves. And yes, uh, <laughs> yeah, so this uh, is an exciting uh, experiment, exciting result. Um, it's an idea that um, has been around for many years. The, the first paper on this topic was published uh, 70 years ago but uh, no one had observed yet the, this form of uh, reflections in time of uh, electromagnetic waves. <clears throat> so we were excited to find a way to do it and uh, observe them and demonstrate uh, this phenomenon. <clears throat> and we've been working in this area for a while. We were among the first to uh, work on uh, using time to um, add a dimension to the way in which uh, engineered materials can uh, manipulate the propagation of uh, electromagnetic waves of light. Uh, typically, our field is, is uh, the field of metamaterials is uh, about uh, 25 years old. And it's a, a field that really exploits uh, nanofabrication, nanostructures to create uh, new ways of engaging with light using uh, uh, nanostructured materials. Uh, most of what we do is really to structure uh, materials at a very small scale, at the scale of uh, nanometers, like billions of, of, uh, of a meter, to, to change the way in which these materials interact with light signals. But uh, a few years ago, we proposed that uh, using time as an extra dimension, an extra tool to manipulate uh, light waves, is possible to push the boundaries forward. So do things that uh, space alone cannot do. So we, we showed, for instance, a few years ago that uh, if you change the properties of a material in time, with the right uh, pattern, you can actually break the symmetry with which light travels in space. So you can send uh, light signals in one direction, but uh, block it when they come in the opposite direction. Uh, typically, we are used to, uh, to the fact that if we can see something or someone, they can see us. Uh, that's uh, a conventional symmetry with which light signals travel in space. But by changing the materials that carry these uh, signals in time, one can uh, break that symmetry. And so we've been working on these forms of uh, time variations of, of materials for a while. And uh, we were very curious about uh, what we can do with it. and. Uh, we were inspired by these old uh, theoretical papers that were talking about uh, uh, time reflections that basically are the, the dual phenomenon of a spatial reflection. Spatial reflection is something uh, uh, quite common is what happens when you see into a mirror. You look at the uh, reflections from the mirror of the light rays that, that hit your face and that's what carries the, the reflected image. But uh, what we've been after is uh, demonstrating that it's possible to create uh, an analogous phenomenon, but uh, in, in time rather than in space. A mirror is uh, always there in time, but it's fixed. It's, it's a specific location in space. 
but we built uh, the temporal analog of this. It's a, a time mirror that is uh, everywhere in space. It's distributed in space, but it uh, happens only in a specific instant in time. And that creates a very unusual phenomenon for, uh, for light waves. And that's the core of our experiment. Yeah, thank you so much um, for sharing um, that kind of introduction and we got to know kind of your path a little bit to how you became the scientist you're today. And for everyone, the slide presentation is pinned on top of the room. Also, there are links in the chat. Um, and uh, yeah, if you would like to go over the slides, uh, we'll we'll then ask uh, questions afterwards. Thank you. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm not sure how how does that work. I also oh, everyone I um, has the slide link, so uh, people will um, go um, slide through them themselves. So if you could just mention when you were switching to the next slide, then people know to switch to the next slide. Okay. Thank you. So, or or say the, the, the slide number that can help. Okay. Let me see if I can, because I, I'm not really able to open it on, on my phone. I'm not sure if there is a trick, but I will um, open it on my computer. Okay. Yeah, the, the, the link is above our icons. It's a little uh, PowerPoint. But mm -hmm. yeah, maybe usually when when I present, I have the slides separate on, on my computer, so okay. since it's not the screen share, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. um, one moment. Okay, actually, anyway, they opened here on the in the app. So yeah, the first slide shows the comparison between a spatial interface and the temporal interface. Basically, what you see as a diagram here is uh, in the, oh, the horizontal axis is uh, uh, a spatial coordinate. So one think about it as a one dimensional spatial coordinate and the vertical axis is time. So the arrows that you see on the left are uh, um, a light ray basically that hits a spatial interface in which the material is uh, changing in space. There is an interface between one material and another. As you see that the interface is vertical, so uh, this is a space interface. It's basically when a light moves from air to a different material. Uh, by the way, I just want to make sure, can you hear me? Yeah, we, we yeah. can hear it fine. Okay, great. Um, when uh, this happens, uh, uh, typically we experience reflections, right? The fact that the medium has changed uh, implies that there is a discontinuity in space that creates reflections. And as I said before, this uh, is uh, the foundations, for instance, of uh, how we see our, cell, our face in a mirror or how we hear an echo when we talk in front of a, an obstacle like a mountain. Uh, a time interface is the dual of this phenomenon in time. So as you see on the right, uh, this happens when uh, uh, the medium in which the light ray is traveling or light signal is traveling suddenly abruptly changes at an instant in time, but everywhere in space. All of this happens synchronously at the same instant across the entire medium. When this happens, you experience a time reflection. And the time reflection is dual to a space reflection. In a space reflection, the frequency of the signal is conserved, the energy, but the momentum of the wave is flipped. That's how the wave travels backward. At the time reflection, the momentum of the wave is conserved, but you couple to negative frequencies and the energy of the wave can change, can be amplified 
or uh, uh, can be suppressed in time in, in energy. So in the next slide, you see uh, the, the duality of this phenomenon. And actually, the, the sketch that you see on the right side is uh, a sketch that kind of tries to summarize the difference between a regular mirror and a time mirror. In a regular mirror, you see your face, and you hear echoes in which uh, the, the words are repeated in the same order. But at the time mirror, you have two fundamental effects. One is that the wave is time reversed. So in a time mirror, you see the back rather than the front, and you hear the echoes time reversed. And the second effect, as you see from the colors, is that the frequencies of the signals can be largely converted without distortion. So this is sketched as color change. So all the colors of a broadband signal get converted to new colors. And this uh, phenomenon has been uh, theorized long ago, but has been uh, demonstrated uh, uh, only uh, recently in our paper that just came out for uh, uh, photonic, for photons, for, for light waves. Um, the, the next slide uh, shows, sorry, these are some animations, but I guess I'm not sure how much uh, you see in terms of animation. But the next slide shows our measurements compared to um, uh, our modeling. And basically, this uh, slide is only there to demonstrate that uh, the material response before and after we switch uh, the, the material, and I will explain in a moment how we switch it, uh, has a, <coughs> a very uniform dispersion. This straight line implies, uh, uh, this, this is in the, in the diagram, it's called the band diagram. It's a diagram that on the horizontal axis has momentum, on the vertical axis has frequency, uh, shows a straight line that indicates that uh, this material behaves as a homogeneous medium that suddenly changes its index of refraction by a factor of two. So it's an abrupt change that uh, uh, changes drastically, uh, largely, the material response. Mm -hmm. uh, and these are really the ingredients to observe time reflections. And that uh, also tells us why it has been difficult to observe them before. Uh, I like to spell out again the, the, the analogy with the spatial mirror. Uh, we see good spatial reflections in a mirror because the mirror is well localized in space. It's a very sharp interface between two media that are very different, typically air and the metal. The metal makes the mirror. That's why we see very strong reflections and we see ourselves very clearly. If the contrast between the two media were less strong, the reflections would be less. If we built a mirror using glass, for instance, you, you would see much less reflection because the material properties between air and glass are much more similar than between air and metal. In the same way, if we did not have this very sharp interface, this very abrupt change in space, then also the reflections would be much more smeared and less uh, sharp. Uh, similarly, to get uh, a strong temporal reflection, you need a large change in the material properties that happens very abruptly in time. And that's what we were able to achieve. And it's something that is very difficult to achieve for light waves because uh, light goes fast and you need to be faster than that. <laughs> in changing the properties. And we, we can change the properties of uh, a material fast, but the challenge is that typically those changes become very small when you want to be very fast. But the ingredients to get a strong time reflections are that you get both fast and large changes in a material. So the first demonstration of a time reflection was achieved a few years ago uh, by the group of Matthias Fink in uh, water waves. So we are familiar with water waves. Water waves go very slow compared to light or, or uh, uh, electromagnetic waves. 
and uh, this um, uh, group was able to show that if you create for instance an image i don't know if you can play the video on the slide but if you imprint an image on the uh, on, on a pool for instance swimming pool and then you let it evolve in time that image gets diffracted away but by giving a kick to the surface of this water uh, pool the time reversed waves that come from the time reflection converge back and reform the same image that was the first demonstration of this uh, phenomenon and uh, we were able to achieve and this is the next slide uh, you see the picture of our experiment and uh, how we implemented it it's a very long it's about six meters long metal strip that carries electromagnetic waves um, it winds around itself to make it longer and then it's connected to many switches that can be triggered uniformly all together in time very fast and these switches connect the metal strip to additional circuit elements that act as reservoir material reservoir capacitors that extra material can be connected or disconnected very fast so the idea we had is that instead of changing the material properties we can add and subtract material very fast by using switches that was the breakthrough to realize those two ingredients of a lot of change and very fast and uh, in the next slide you see slide six the, the experiment um, what you see on the on the top left is the measurements at the input port first you see the signal this asymmetric broadband signal that gets uh, it's received after a while at the same port but time reversed you see that we send first the small peak and then the large peak but we receive first the large peak and then the small peak and the other important feature you see is that the temporal scale is stretched that's because all the frequencies in the signal have been translated uh, to new frequencies to lower frequencies because of the switching also the transmitted signal that you see in the bottom is stretched by the same amount but uh, that that one is not time reflected so you see the uh, the, the the small peak first and the large peak next uh, on the on the right we have um, evaluated experimentally the reflection coefficient in amplitude and phase we have demonstrated that you have a, a significant time reflection and it matches well with the theory and it is uh, um, uh, um, actually flat in frequency all the frequencies experience the same form of time reflection that's good news it's what you expect from uh, this phenomenon and in the bottom you also see the frequency conversion the fact that all the frequencies get uniformly converted to half of the frequency 50 percent uh, quick, quick question yes so so these these are our surface plasmons uh, these are surface waves uh, not surface plasmons um, the the waves are traveling uh, in um, basically a waveguide it's a strip line so it's more similar to the signals that travel in a on a motherboard for instance uh, like an antenna you mean uh, yeah yeah uh, in some ways yes it's like an antenna or a so, okay so, so so it is still you know rf frequencies with with uh, um, an electric component and a magnetic component exactly yes these are photons at uh, 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 radio wave frequencies okay thanks no no problem thanks for the question yeah so um, slide seven shows more results uh, in that context explain better uh, how what we are doing what we are observing we, we also show the results both when you 
open the switches and you close the switches that demonstrates uh, the, the dual phenomenon basically when you the, the dual form of interfaces in one case you are switching from a material that has a larger impedance to one that has smaller impedance and vice versa and uh, in the next slide is, uh, by the way the, the, those two effects of course in one case half the frequency in the other case double the frequency across the entire range of frequencies carried by the signal mm -hmm. Uh, the phenomenon itself is frequency agnostic. It works for any frequency until an upper cutoff that is determined by how fast the switches are. Uh, the next uh, uh, slide, slide eight, uh, shows a well-known phenomenon uh, in space of uh, a, an anti-reflection. So uh, in, in many cases, uh, in, in, in many applications, you want to avoid the reflections when you enter a new material. And it's well known that the common way of doing that is to coat the interface with a material that has some value of impedance in between the other two materials. The most common approach is called an anti-reflection coating. It's a quarter wave uh, uh, coating. Mm -hmm. um, as and other groups uh, uh, have uh, shown a couple of years ago that uh, it is possible to get uh, an analog of this phenomenon in time by switching twice in a, in a material. And uh, uh, now we had this uh, uh, tool of creating these interfaces. And now basically we wanted to show that the interference of time reflected waves can create this phenomenon of zero reflection at a temporal slab. We have basically this, uh, 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 the analog of a spatial slab, but now it's temporal. You see in slide nine, this uh, experiment in which we combine the two time interfaces with a certain uh, delay between them, we can control the delay and what you see on the right is the measurements as a function of frequency. And you see these typical oscillations. Some frequencies have zero reflections. Some frequencies have large reflections. This is typical of what you expect when you have a, a, a spatial slab. These are known, if you're familiar with the uh, physics, uh, Fabry Perot resonances or resonators when they are in time. Here we have something similar in space. As you see, it's a filtering basically of the frequency that comes from the interference between the time reflected signals. And in the bottom plot on the right, uh, you see the uh, variation of the reflection as you change for fixed frequency, as you change the duration of the temporal slab. That is the analog of changing the thickness of a slab uh, of a material, but now we are changing the thickness in time. So there is an optimal thickness for which you have zero reflection. And that's what we observed in our experiments. Mm -hmm. um, I think, uh, I don't think we, we need to go through all these slides. Uh, I think maybe the, the last thing I want to briefly mention is the slide 11. Uh, this is something that goes beyond actually the paper we have written. It's a, a, a new experiment we've done on the same platform in which uh, we have shown that these time interfaces can uh, create quite unusual uh, interactions between photons. Mm -hmm. um, what do I mean by that? When uh, uh, photons uh, bump against each other, they do not act like uh, objects. Two objects, two balls, for instance, when they bump into each other, typically bounce, right? They have some form of elastic on or inelastic collisions that depend on the structure of these objects. Photons actually go through each other. Uh, they do not uh, interact. So if you send two light beams against each other, they just go through. They don't uh, bounce off. However, what we showed uh, both theoretically and experimentally is that uh, if you send two photons against each other and you 
apply a time interface like the one we have in our uh, transmission line metamaterial as we call it this loaded transmission line with so many switches the moment the time interface happens can create a strong collision between photons and you can create quite an unusual effect you can go from uh, 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 but by choosing the, the instant in which this time interface happens as a function of the interaction between the two photons so the moment in which you switch can uh, go from a destructive form of collision in which one of the photons actually disappears to an elastic collision in which the energy is conserved like two bolts that uh, um, two billiard bolts basically that bump into each other and are reflected back or a constructive um, collision in which actually the energy in the two signals gets amplified so by choosing the moment in which we switch we apply this sharp transition in the material you can not only make the photons interact but also largely change the way in which they interact and go from elastic to inelastic to destructive and constructive uh, form of collision the energy can be dumped into the time interface or can be extracted by the time interface as a function of the time you choose and the following slides actually show this uh, phenomenon experimentally and uh, uh, demonstrate that can be used for quite interesting functionalities such as uh, amplifying signals or uh, shape signals for instance by choosing the right moment you can kill some portion of a signal uh, because the the photon coming from the opposite side basically completely cancels a portion of the signal that that is coming from the opposite direction uh, the last slide slide 16 shows kind of a, a schematic that or a, a conceptual figure uh, that um, comes from a recent paper we wrote uh, like a perspective table in which uh, we explain a bit of the vision of uh, uh, where these time interfaces fall within the context of engineered materials I was discussing at the beginning of my talk. Basically, the idea is really to combine spatial interfaces that were very good at uh, patterning uh, spatially and the temporal interfaces that we just learned how to uh, realize and combining the two combining time reflected spatially reflected signals and their interference we can open new ways of manipulating light radio waves and sound that's what we are looking at at the moment there is a lot of exciting opportunities that we are discovering as we speak and that we can test in this platform and in other platforms we are working on that can also uh, manipulate larger um, uh, larger frequencies uh, I don't know if this was clear I'm happy to answer more questions or go in more details on on the along the slides that, uh, that, that I shared yeah thank you so much uh, this is um, really interesting work and it's really for me it's um, I know you said, you mentioned, and also in the paper, that this theory exists for a long time, but that we reached the point, or you and your lab members reached a point to actually show this. <laughs> when you talk about, you know, time mirrors, it feels like I'm in a sci-fi movie <laughs> for me. So, um, yeah, thank you for sharing this. Um, and um, I wanted to ask, so like for a very broad audience um if you say uh, you have a time mirror basically and you can show these um these different effects on the waves um could you in theory let's say um information gets passed on um you know from a to b could you basically go back in time and re read 
uh, or re um, yeah reread the message um, that and how long could you in theory if that would be possible I, I know it's yeah, no, a that's a good small, question yeah. so that that's actually a very good question and it's something that uh, is important to, to to spell out right we do couple to negative frequencies and that's actually the trick we, we apply basically a phenomenon known as phase conjugation uh, to all the frequencies involved in the signal. But uh, there is a fundamental difference between a spatial reflection and a temporal reflection that you see it actually in slide one. Uh, and by the way, I just learned, uh, it seemed like I can actually share, I don't know, do you see now my presentation? Yeah, yeah, we, we, we have your presentation. Okay, yeah, yeah I, I see that I'm sharing it now with the um, app. But anyways, if you go to slide one, the, uh, there is a fundamental difference between the reflected waves in a spatial interface and in a temporal interface. In a spatial interface, the reflected waves go back in space, stay in the same medium as the impinging waves, the one that come in. In a temporal interface, the reflected waves, this uh, orange line, must be in the future, cannot go back in time. This is because of principle of causality. So you cannot send waves backwards in time that would violate the, the causality. You would be able to interfere with the past. But uh, uh, what we do is basically a phenomenon of broadband time reversal and phase conjugation. You play in reverse. The, the wave, but uh, you still play them in the future. You cannot uh, change uh, what happened uh, before, or you cannot uh, predict what's going to happen. So that's a fundamental difference that creates also differences in the way in which uh, the two phenomena work. Right? In, in, in the temporal uh, interface, time reflection and time refraction exist in the same medium, whereas uh, in a spatial interface, time reflections interfere with the input wave, whereas time refraction are, uh, sorry, space refraction are in the new medium. Okay, so, so you basically can only go in the future, but... Um, but you play like, the, 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 yeah. the wave in reverse. So it's a phenomenon known as uh, phase conjugation. Actually, we, we use this time reversal in... in uh, computing or in uh, um, um, in imaging, uh, the challenge is that the way we do it at the moment is very inefficient. It, typically, we have to use memory. We have to store a signal, put it in a buffer, reverse it in time, and then play it in reverse. Now, what happens in this material is that this happens naturally. The moment you switch, the wave is played in reverse is the, the positive frequencies that are converted to negative frequencies. And that's how you actually create this backward propagation in the new medium that conserves momentum. That's basically what is happening in this time interface. So you can basically be faster and also skip um, the... Um the parts where you kind of have to store information for exactly time there and are three advantages yeah. it's a much requires much less energy converting a signal in digital format time reverted and convert it back to analog requires a lot of energy it is slow and it requires a lot of memory this phenomenon happens instead naturally in the analog domain just by switching the very fast low energy and without memory requirements so uh, yeah. so you've you've compared like the the energy versus like doing doing it digitally i'm wondering what the um relative uh ratio or, or comparison is between the energy that it that is required to modulate the interfaces uh versus the the photon photon energy that's that's being redirected 
Yeah, that's an excellent question. This depends a lot on the platform you use. Our platform is actually extremely energy efficient. And that's one of the reasons why we were able to actually do it. Uh, the uh, switching in principle requires zero energy. If you have perfect switches, if there are no imperfections, no non-idealities, no parasitics, switching from very high impedance to very low impedance or vice versa requires zero energy because there is no field in the switch. So the, uh, this phenomenon in principle requires no energy. Uh, even in practice, in the experiments, requires much less energy than the energy actually carried by the signals. And that's a very important distinction from any other way in which you can achieve uh, time reversal of, of signals. Going digital requires a lot more energy. Uh, another way in which you can do uh, this form of phase conjugation, uh, but limited to narrow range of frequencies, is to use nonlinear optics to use mixing between signals but that also is uh, very energy inefficient typically you require very large pump signals to to get uh, phase conjugation to work okay thank you oh no thanks great questions yeah uh I wanted to ask Kirko, Dr. Shah, and then Akil also joined the stage. If you have questions, please go ahead. Yeah, thank you so much for your wonderful talk. Maybe two questions I have. One of them is um, uh, what result you got, for example, if we want to consider changing temperature, specifically when we want to talk about uh, cryo conditioning. It might happen. It's important because if somehow we are thinking about data gathering or conservation it might matter and another question i had that was about chirality and the impact of that did you uh, do you have any further information that you can share with us yeah uh, cryo is uh, yeah both great questions thank you um, um, cryo is an um, interesting uh, condition to be in uh, we were talking about uh, ideal switches and uh, ideal responses. Uh, uh, one of the challenges uh, or non-idealities of this type of phenomena is uh, thermal uh, loss, thermal uh, phonon, unwanted uh, uh, phonon loss in, in materials and in, uh, uh, in the switches. So going into the kind of superconducting regime certainly would help and uh, minimize any unwanted parasitics as you want to do high fidelity type of responses also with very low energy requirements. Uh, but if you're thinking of um, using thermal effects for the switching, for the changes, then that's not really a good route because those effects are actually slow. So those uh, uh, will not help us in terms of the generating these very sharp, abrupt interfaces in time. Um, for the second question, the, the chirality, that's a great uh, question too. Uh, this um, type, type of phenomena that are, we are showing for now involve only isotropic media, so media that uh, respond in the same way to electric fields that are in different directions. But uh, um, uh, there, have, there has been work, theoretical work, including by our group, in analyzing what happens uh, if we switch uh, um, chiral or anisotropic uh, or even bianisotropic media. It's limited to theory, but uh, we have been thinking of uh, ways to realize this in our platform, adding some form of chirality means uh, breaking spatial symmetry in the, in the material. We need to do it on a scale that is very dense and uh, we have achieved this already in these switches and now we have to come up with a way to break also symmetry that we don't do at the moment in the experiment but we know that when this happens you can create even more interesting functionalities for instance you can create a different response 
if uh, your uh, uh, photons have right-handed or left-handed polarization. Uh, right now, the, 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 the phenomena we showed are um, independent of, of the polarization of the signal because of the symmetry. But by breaking symmetry and breaking symmetry while you switch abruptly the properties can induce quite uh, unusual responses. And that's what, uh, uh, it's one of the directions we're pursuing at the moment. That, that's a great question. So uh, theoretically, if we have two objects, so this considering, for example, using the nanomaterials, still the result, it might be dependent, right? Uh, sorry, I, I missed the, the, the last uh, sentence. Yeah, you, you just explained about uh, chirality, and I was wondering yeah. if we have two objects, two separated objects that they have a nanomaterials. For example, uh, we just use the mimicking scenario. So yeah. uh, how the result, I mean, what might be the yeah. possible result? Yeah, no, uh, so if we are thinking in the context of time interface, it's not sufficient to have a single object, but if you have an array of objects, like a very dense array of objects that, that are chiral, that have some uh, asymmetry built in, geometrical asymmetry. And for instance, you can switch for each of these objects at the same time, that asymmetry on and off, for instance, using switches, then uh, um, something more peculiar will happen to the to these time reflections you would have a different form of time reflection if the incoming signals have one polarization like one handedness of of the polarization of light or the opposite one so you could have one time interface so the same time interface for one polarization could amplify the signals and from the other could damp the signals could be filtering polarization as a form uh, as you switch and what about uh, the symmetry sorry mirror for example the symmetry you, you mean uh, for different symmetry yeah that, that symmetry uh, is not symmetrical for example yeah mirror absolutely symmetry yeah so chirality is an example of that and uh, playing with the symmetries this is actually exactly the the type of uh, of designs that we've been using for quite a while in the context of spatial metamaterials, right? Playing with symmetry classes, with, with um, broken symmetries that are tailored at the nanoscale, we are able to control waves in quite surprising ways. And uh, now we're realizing that we can do these things also in time. So creating uh, these forms of symmetry changes abrupt symmetry changes can manipulate uh, uh, light signals in, in uh, surprising ways. Thank you. Uh, yeah, Akil, do you have a question? Welcome to the stage. Hi, Katarina, nice to meet you. Hi, Andrea. Thank you so much for your wonderful lecture. I have two questions, but I don't know if I if, if you guys have time. So I'll ask one and if time permits, I'll ask another one. So in light of your groundbreaking uh, work on time reversal and frequency translation using metamaterials, how do you envision overcoming uh, potential limitations and scaling these concepts to achieve uh, practical applications uh, such as ultra high speed data transmission or dynamic control of uh, wave propagation while addressing concerns about energy efficiency and signal integrity. Thank you. Being on, already have ongoing experiments in this area. Uh, definitely. So um, the question is how can we enhance the, the performance, both in terms of increasing the frequency, minimizing uh, energy requirements. And there are various directions. I mean, we are uh, um, looking at uh, uh, much improved switching technologies that can switch much faster than the, the current switches we use, the commercial switches can, uh, can reach close to terrace um, in terms of speeds. And we're also looking at uh, special materials like graphene, 2D materials, uh, polaritons uh, are these uh, materials that 
can couple strongly light to uh, material resonances, uh, underlying resonances in the structure of the material, uh, like phonons or excitons or uh, other forms of, uh, uh, of material resonances. And uh, this will help us create very fast changes that can be also strong enough to, to realize this phenomena in the context of um, uh, low energy requirements, large frequencies, and uh, um, efficient forms of phase conjugation and of uh, uh, frequency conversion that we have demonstrated in this proof of concept experiment. So this first demonstration is uh, a, a proof that this can be done, but certainly the, the research doesn't stop here. There is a, a lot uh, still to do to demonstrate. We are also very excited to demonstrate uh, um, the effect of coupling many of these time interfaces. One interesting direction in this context is the field of time crystals. We are, we are used to what a, a spatial crystal is, periodic combination of spatial interfaces, but one can also realize with this platform a temporal crystal in which these time interfaces happen periodically over time. And this creates very unusual interactions with localized emitters with specific frequencies and can, can control quite drastically the, the, the interactions of, of these time interfaces with electromagnetic waves. Awesome, thank you so much. Uh, Katarina, can I ask another question if, if there is time? Yeah, uh, Andrea, if you if you're okay with it, for me it's fine. It's it's more up to you if you have a sure. A couple. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy. Yeah, all right. All so, great question. Yeah, so so given the recent advancements in the topological photonics and the exploration of uh, you know exotic uh, topological properties and the uh, metamaterials. Uh, how do you foresee the integration of uh, topological concepts with your work on extreme control of light and sound and and also like uh, what new paradigms might emerge uh, from this fusion in terms of uh, wave manipulation uh, robustness against disorder and potential applications in areas such as uh, uh, secure communication and quantum information processing thank you yeah great uh, great question as well yes you guys are very up to date yeah, so th there has been a lot of interest in the last uh, years in this field in uh, uh, empowering uh, um, topological concepts to manipulate waves. Actually, what we discuss about symmetries has really its um, um, apex in, in uh, creating this form of topological order for wave phenomena. And uh, we've been working a lot on the, in the context of uh, spatial interfaces that can create topological effects for photons. Uh, now we are starting to look into ways of using also time and space-time interfaces to, to achieve uh, uh, manipulation of the topological order of, uh, uh, for, for, for uh, in metamaterials in, uh, for, to manipulate waves. And this really creates beautiful uh, results, beautiful ways of manipulating light, very counterintuitive ways of manipulating light, and uh, also opens to a lot of technologies, um, provides robustness to the, to the wave manipulation. And uh, so we, it's a very exciting field, and there is a lot of uh, rich opportunities that uh, we are exploring. It's, uh, uh, there is a lot to, to do, both on the theory side and on the application and the experimental side. Yeah, thank you so much for those interesting questions. And yeah, yeah, thank you so much, Andrea, for your for your valuable time answering my questions. Thank you. So, Thanks for the question. So, quick, quick question. Um, how broadband or, or from the opposite perspective, how how much do you have to know about 
uh, in advance about how the incoming uh, light is structured um, in, in order for this to, to work? Have you tested the limits in those regards? Yeah, yeah, certainly. Great question. The, um, as I said, the, the phenomenon is completely frequency agnostic. It works for any signal. Uh, the, uh, so basically any frequency from DC, from zero frequency, to an upper cutoff that uh, depends on the actual speed of your switch will uh, experience the same time reflection. And that's really the beauty of this result that uh, is a, an ultra broadband because of its ultra fast speed, right? The frequency is the Fourier transform of time. So get, having a delta function in time creates a completely uh, frequency uniform response. Um, so the key to extend the response to higher frequencies is to use faster switches, faster phenomena. I was telling before that a mirror doesn't work anymore if you make it adiabatic, if you make it uh, smeared in space. And this, in the same way, the time mirror has to be, it has to support a large contrast, but at the same time also has to be very concentrated in time compared to the temporal dynamics of the signal. So the upper cutoff frequency will be determined by the speed of your uh, effect, of, of your transition. Um, with switches, so using exactly the solution that we came up with, um, you can achieve probably the, uh, as, a speed as fast as hundreds of gigahertz, but not faster, moving to 2D materials and uh, more sophisticated form, polaritonic materials can actually give you speeds of modulation that can be in the range of femtoseconds. So you can really push the, the boundaries much, much faster than what you can do with a switch or a transistor. And this is something we are uh, uh, looking at at the moment. So, so that's that's an area of my ignorance. Uh, please give me a, an example or two of uh, polaritonic materials. Uh, so, polaritonic materials are a very hot topic at the moment. Uh, uh, I think at the beginning of the talk, someone asked about plasmonic uh, or uh, plasmon polaritons. Those are probably the, the most popular form of polaritons. So, plasmons are. Um, electronic oscillations at the interface of a metal with a dielectric, like air. And uh, plasmon polaritons are strongly coupled electron oscillations to light. So metallic surfaces can support the strongly localized optical signals that are much more confined than what they can be in a regular material because they strongly coupled to electrons. But in the last few years, we have found many other platforms that can support forms of polaritons. Don't need to be coupled to electron oscillations. They can be coupled to uh, electronic transitions in a material. We work a lot with multiple quantum wells, for instance. Um, phonon polaritons are also very popular at the moment. Gallium oxide, um, Molybdenum trioxide um, support strongly coupled phonon vibrations in the crystal lattices to, to light. Uh, also very popular are exciton polaritons that uh, couple light to excitonic transitions. And uh, magnon polaritons is another exciting development or optomechanical uh, forms of polaritons. So all of these give you the opportunity to get light to interact much more efficiently with the material. And therefore, they form an ideal platform to realize time interfaces because they give you strong changes in fast times. And that's uh, what uh, we, we are exploring at the moment. And not just for this problem, by the way, the, 
We've been working on these forms. We, we call them polaritonic metasurfaces since a few years for many opportunities that they offer for nonlinearities and uh, for frequency transitions uh, and uh, uh, way manipulation. That sounds very interesting. I think I'm going to have to do some research. <laughs> Thank you. I, I can share papers if you like on general stuff. Oh, I, I would definitely appreciate that. Um, if uh, if you have them handy, the so the way we do that in, on Clubhouse is to put them in the room chat, which is kind of the, the word bubble on the lower uh, right hand of the screen, um, or um you know you can send them to katarina or or to me via my yeah. profile excellent that sounds good thank you thank you yeah thank you so much um i don't know if anyone has um any last questions um for andrea um and then i think we will be closing the room soon and Andrea you have been talking for an hour now so you're probably tired so um <laughs> yeah if anyone has any last questions please go ahead Victoria I saw you on here I did I I wanted to thank everyone for coming because we these rooms are planned and Katarina thank you for inviting our fascinating guests Andrea Thank you for everything that you've shared with us tonight. We have this, this unpredictability element of the rooms where we don't know who's going to be able to make it or what questions anybody's going to ask. And I think that drives part of the fun. So I wanna thank everybody who's here for showing up because you help make these rooms as wonderful as they are. And Andrea, thank you for your time. Thank you. Thanks for the interest and the great questions. It was a great discussion. Yeah, thank you so much. And um, yeah, we really appreciate it that you came on such short notice. I I didn't want to miss the opportunity again. Thank you, <laughs> thank you. No, no, this is great, yeah. By the way, are you all based in New York or this is actually more? No, it's really international. So uh, Victoria is on the West Coast and um, Eli, I'm not sure where you are right now. Oh, Los Angeles. Okay, yeah, and Kirko is on the East Coast in the South in Florida, as far as I know, and I'm in New York. Akil, I'm not sure where you are, but we also have people from different parts of Europe and Asia that come here, Australia, so yeah, so that's why we record also the rooms. Akil, yeah, go ahead. I said I'm from Mumbai, India. Yeah, so, so that's okay. why we do these recordings so uh, people can then later on listen. And the good thing about the Clubhouse recordings is that the chat and also the links we share, they are still active later on in the, in the replay. So uh, whatever we share here. Oh, yeah, Frank is in Germany and it's 5 a.m. Oh, my God, Frank, thanks for coming. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting community because of that. And depending on the time we do these rooms, it depends on who is live there to ask questions. And uh, some people also send me questions then uh, for these events um, if they cannot make it. So, yeah, thank you for, for making it. Great. Thank you. Through, through the pandemic, uh, you know, when everybody was stuck at home, Clubhouse was kind of like the, the really cool international conference that just keeps <laughs> going. Great. Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't know about this. And uh, I'm learning now about the app. I, I just installed it and I didn't uh, know even what to expect. But th this has been great. Thank you. Yeah, that's uh, really wonderful to hear that you enjoyed it and that it was worth the trouble, I hope. Absolutely. So maybe you come back again. I know your productivity additionally to your very cool research is, is um, amazing. So um, may, we will for sure follow your work and, um, and hopefully we'll stay in touch. And hopefully I hear 
you and everyone back soon again. So uh, thank you so much, everyone. Great. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Have a good day. Thanks, Andreas. See you soon. And yeah, and if you um, are interested, the next room will already be tomorrow uh, with Dr. Klein and um, and also his postdoc, uh, Dr. David Castillo. And he, they will talk about how stem cells have kind of uh, mechanisms to decide if they will die or regenerate, and they discovered this. Um, so it will be really interesting in the future for tissue repair and so on. So yeah, if you're interested in that, uh, feel free to come back. And um, thank you, everyone. Enjoy your day or middle of the night or um, <laughs> wherever you are. And um, I hope I hear you all back soon. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye. Three, two, one. I'll close the room. Bye.